Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty. Proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Now, my question... (coughs) I'm writing that down. 347, sneeze. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here. On this, uh, well, I mean, it's it's been the the lane train has officially been derailed, and now we're on a midnight plane to Pittsburgh. I guess no, we're not going to Pittsburgh. They're coming down here, but uh, we got lots to talk about this week off of UCF's three and O start and win over in state FAU. And um, well, you guys watch that game as we get started here. Like, what do do do, 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 do we get like? upset lane do we get contemplative lane like what what did we get from that we uh, we apparently got lane who was still fully committed to the quote he posted in his weight room oh, man. Uh, <laughs> i was gonna say yeah, that was my next question like did you did you get misquoted again this week brian murphy by, I, no, I did by not. an opposing I did head not. coach <laughs> i did not but apparently lane kiffin uh if he if he heard anybody say that's not a quote uh, it didn't matter to him because when asked about Devin Singletary after the game, or actually during this week, he said he made a lot of guys miss, including Navelle, uh, as if he was kind of poking Navelle Clark for things he didn't say. Yeah. But again, you know, it is Great. what it is. Coach, coach is going to coach. Coach is going to coach. We are a black and gold banner at the uh, UCF, your home for UCF on the SB Nation network. Uh, com is where you want to go. You can follow us all at facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret and UCF underscore banneret on Twitter. Individually, I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. Brian is at Spokes underscore Murphy. Uh, and uh, you can subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Let's dive right in, boys. Uh, football just continues to uh, just... Roll along here. Thirteen now now sixteen wins in a row, three and zero, fifty six thirty six win over FAU in a game that uh well, let's be honest, there was a little bit of a roller coaster in the first half with UCF jumping out fourteen nothing. FAU actually took a lead in the second quarter of this game, uh seventeen fourteen, but then UCF finally said, What are we doing? Let's make some adjustments and take care of business. And that's uh, exactly what they did. So 56-36 was the final. This was 
uh, Mackenzie Milton's best game of the season, arguably the best game of his career, actually, uh, when you look at the sheer numbers. Uh, he finished 21 of 32 for 306 yards and three touchdowns through the air. He was sacked only once, no interceptions. And on top of that, he was UCF's leading rusher, 13 carries, 81 yards, three more touchdowns, including a really spectacular one that was kind of the touchdown that more or less ended the game. Um, yeah, on defense, UCF gave up a fair number of, uh, a fair number of yards, uh, 447 to FAU, but a lot of that was more or less. You knew the FAU was going to get some, was going to get some yards and some points. They they came into that game having won at, what, what was it, 12 of their last 13, um, and you know they're a pretty good football team, but UCF pretty much established themselves as clearly the better team uh, in the second half. Now my question for you guys is like. I, I, Luke Saris brought this up, and he wrote a column on blackandgoldbanneret.com, and, and he basically took the words right out of my mouth. I've never seen so many UCF fans complaining after a blowout win over, an, over a team where we won our 16th consecutive game. And I, I, I get that there are holes. I'm not saying UCF played a perfect game against FAU. They clearly did not. But FAU's a good football team, and clearly UCF was better than them. We established that, obviously. Um, what is this coming from? Why is it that the fan base right now, or at least a, a, a vocal chunk of it, I don't know if it's a majority or not, but a vocal chunk of it looks at this game and is like, not good enough. Well, Eric, you're so much better at going into this than me. <laughs> Your takes on this are so much hotter than mine. I just want to, and, I, and also really all the fans to... hate Eric because he he he's not afraid to to uh, put them in. I their just place. tell the truth. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's truth. why I. That's why I'm ceding the entire balance of my time to the congressman from the state of Florida. To the congressman from Miami. Yeah, because uh, I just want to hear you roll with this. Well, get your popcorn I, you know, out. I, Here I, we go. <laughs> I think part of the frustration is they saw the FAU game opening weekend get absolutely destroyed, and I mean destroyed, by Oklahoma. Like, that game was over in two seconds. And I think UCF fans' perspective is like, no, he should be doing the same thing. And now, not only are you not doing that, you're actually getting outplayed. FAU outplayed them in the second quarter. Singletary was running all over them. And I think that's where the frustration is because the whole argument, right, that UCF has tried to make in the fan base is we're as good as anybody in the country. It's a biased. Everybody's biased. Well, here is an, an, a situation where I think psychologically you're comparing to yourself to a team like Oklahoma and you lose. You lose the argument. They clearly were not as good as impressive against FAU at home as Oklahoma was. And I think that's where part of that is coming. I think what has happened here over the last year, is that UCF fans have gotten now agitated. They are agitated at the media, that and they are agitated at any swipe of biasness uh, or slap in the face or criticism. And so when the team doesn't perform to what they believe is the highest level that they can back up their claims, they take it out on the team. And I think that's what happened. I think they wanted to destroy FAU like Oklahoma did and failed to do so. Okay, but could we, couldn't we say that Against Oklahoma, FAU laid an egg. And against us, 
they got they gave it their best shot and still didn't they didn't hold a candle to UCF. Couldn't I make that argument? I mean, you could, but I think the other problem is you say FAU is a good team. I'm not so sure. They don't have a passing game, and I think that's the other frustrating. There's nothing more frustrating than when you struggle against a one-dimensional team, and I think fans can't deal with that. They just don't, and FAU doesn't have a passing game. I think if FAU had Driscoll at quarterback like they did last year, I actually think that would have been a four-quarter game, but they don't have that guy. Driscoll quit. He retired, and so I think Lane's struggling. To find a quarterback, he's probably going to dial up Jalen Hurts after this year when he goes there, probably. That's <laughs> oh, um, But Singletary, you know what the FAU team reminded me of a lot? It reminded me of the 07 UCF team with Singletary playing the Kevin Smith role. And UCF's passing in with Kyle, with all due respect, who's a friend, Kyle Israel, a limited passing game. Funny and you should mention so that I, given that Kevin Smith is FAU's running backs coach. That's why I did that. See, that's how this works. And we did try, by the way, for the record, we did try to get Kevin Smith on. Uh, FAU uh, actually told us Lane Kiffin has the same policy as as Nick Saban, which is he doesn't let assistants talk to the media, as far as outside media anyway. Translation, Lane <laughs> Kiffin has a stupid policy regarding assistant coaches. That's an, anyway. That's an awful policy, but yeah, regardless. Stupid friggin' policy. Uh, what, what are they going to do? Stir the, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's where I think the fans' frustration is now. And the problem is UCF is all they're going to hear about for the rest of the year from national pundits and college football writers is how weak their schedule is. So anytime, so now it's not only good enough to just win, you have to win big to justify your standing as, Hey, we're one of the best teams in the country, whether you agree with it or not. I think that's where all that kind of frustration has come from. And the reality is, I don't think this defense, this is who this defense is. Right. Um, I, I think their defensive line is suspect when you lose guys like Gerard and Pittman. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. I kind of compare college football with the reduced scholarships compared to the NFL and the salary cap. You're not going to be strong at every position. You just hope that your weak spot is not going to kill you enough. And I think if you want to quote unquote say UCF's Achilles heel is the defensive line right now, you're just hope it's still not the worst, but you're hoping it doesn't kill you a couple times a year. You know, I, I, I made the point that this defense is classic bend but don't break and we looked at the uh numbers for this so this is what i told um chris carter on twitter um also black and gold banneret was ucf right now is 87th in fbs in total defense they're giving up 397 yards a game but their fifth in turnover margin plus two a game 26th in scoring defense allowing 17.7 points per game and they're on the field the fifth most in terms of time of possession. UCF defense is out is out there the fifth most amount of time. This is classic bend but don't break. And so far, under Randy Shannon, this has been working. This is exactly what we thought this team would be, and it's worked so far. So I, now I understand that there are concerns about you know what happens when we get in the conference play. What happens if someone you know, get, gets a hold of the offense. But, you know, it's not like they expected the defense to be uh, to, to be world beaters here. I mean, they're... But here, no, but here's the problem. Fans don't like that word, bender, you know, don't break, because that sounds like you're working. 
Well, and you say it's working, but it's working against not really great competition. See, that's where, I mean, okay, that's, that's where I disagree. I think FAU is a better team than people think. I know you don't. But, but other, than, other, than, no, other than that, though, those numbers are skewed by a shutout versus an FCS team and, right. a, and a, blowout, a blowout versus a god-awful UConn team. On the road, right now, in the conference. Hey, it's, a, it's an awful team, Jeff. It's an awful they team. Bar- yeah, they barely beat an FCS team. I mean, it's not a very – that's the problem. <laughs> Here's the problem. This is the, this is the problem that we're going to have, and we're going to have this discussion every week. And fans don't like to hear it, but it's reality. The schedule – is dog poo poo. It's garbage. It's bad. It's not UCF's fault. It's bad breaks. You have the team like no, you know, you have teams that are like UConn, which Murph point. Here's a stat for you about UConn. You ready for this? Okay. I saw this today and I couldn't believe it. UConn def- this year, defensively, has given up an average of 54 points a game this year. All right. Yeah. The women's basketball team last season gave up an average of 53. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, for some that. reason, for some reason, I think <laughs> I've seen that stat before with regard to UConn. <laughs> that is, they're yeah, give, right. They're they're giving up 664 yards of offense, which is a hundred more yards than any other team in the FBS. Yep. If, now South Carolina State is right now one of the worst FCS teams. Right now, they have. I think they only have what one win, and their offense is terrible. Uh, FAU. Has too long again. They got destroyed by Oklahoma. Barely got by Air Force. Now I agree with you. I think they'll win Conference USA. Uh, now maybe that's because USA anything. Although North Texas might really push them. I mean North Texas. North Texas might is get good. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the problem. I think we don't know, and I think fans are concerned. Like, okay, that might you might get away with that with an FAU, but do you get away with that with like a Memphis or a South Florida down the road? I mean, those are the things that kind of worry you. But the reality is, uh, because the schedule is so favorable, they're going to be heavy favorites in just about every game moving forward. That if they struggle, fans are going to comp- are going to be frustrated because they're trying to make this argument: it's us against the national media. Screw you! That you know you're biased. You don't know what you're talking about. But if the team struggles, that kind of hurts their claim a little bit. So um, I think teams fans always want their defenses to dominate. They don't like to hear the word. Ben, but don't break because it kind of comes off as an excuse, basically. Oh, they're not that good, but you know they make plays when they have to, type of thing. Fans don't want that. They want to be dom- They want to dominate. Funny you mention that. Perfect segue. Uh, because UCF is playing Pitt this this week. Now here, okay, so yep. here's here's where we get to put this to the test. Pitt comes in two and two, ACC team. I don't care what anybody says. They they actually are in the ACC. Some would argue. Some would argue they should still be in the Big East, but that's okay. a whole other. <laughs> now, now I will grant you they're two and two. Now their two wins were at home against Albany in their opener, and against Georgia Tech uh, at home as well by five. Their losses, fifty-one to six at or, excuse me at home against number thirteen Penn State. And last week, 38-35 to North Carolina, a team that UCF was scheduled to play but did not because of the hurricane. By the way, that was in Chapel Hill. It was a tight game. North Carolina uh, you know, was able to basically hold Pitt at the end of the game. But, okay, here we go. UCF is, fa- is at home for this game, favored by 13-and-a-half, according to Odd Shark. Uh, the that's over- what I have. Uh, that's, yep. that's what I'm going to use on ELO lines coming out right now and on the, this week. Right. Over solid under plug. solid solid. Over under is uh, sixty five for this game. Oh, it's dropped a little bit. 
Okay. That over-under is going to get crushed. <laughs> now, yeah, the, okay, 72%, according to Oddshark, have taken the over on that. So my, yeah. so, so my question is, let's say that the um, – by the way, the spread opened at 15.5. It's been bet down to 13.5. Um, let's say UCF does take care of business. It's, it, do, do we think it will matter? No, it will not. It will not matter no. because – uh, you just mentioned it. Here's the thing: people are going to use some UCF people, and even other people are going to compare how they do against Pitt compared to how Pitt did against Penn State. In other words, if UCF doesn't destroy Pitt like Penn State did, then people are, it's going to be the same kind of. I think you're going to have the same exact reaction that you've had post FAU. That's what it is. UCF. Now we're in this battle where we're trying to make you know, which I think is stupid. Like I, I I've always thought the comparison of scores is stupid. But then again, we are the same people that made the whole argument about, well, we beat Auburn, who beat Alabama, who beat Georgia. So we're playing these stupid games. That's what we do in college football because college football fans are the most immature, idiotic people. <laughs> I love it. I knew it was coming. You know, I was waiting for that one. Let's write that one down. Let me know when down. you need a mature college football fan. I mean, it just is what it is. But. No, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think people look at Pitt. This is how much the national – the game's on ESPNU. It's not on ESPN. It's not on ESPN. It's on ESPNU. And unfortunately, this is not a Dan Marino-led Pittsburgh team. It's not an Alex Van Pelt well, that Pittsburgh would, that would be impressive. <laughs> it would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, so, no, I, I don't think UCF's going to get any, you know, from a standpoint of, whoa, wow, this team is unbelievable. Uh, if Pitt would have played Pitt, Penn State strong, you know, tougher – uh, I think that would have helped. Now, the UC, the case I would make if I'm a UCF perspective is, hey, look, this is a team that beat Miami last year at the end of the regular season, and it's an ACC team. I think it's important for UCF. Interesting stat. UCF has not beaten a, quote, Power 5 team at home uh, non-conference game since 2011. Now, there's an asterisk on that because technically UCF beat Rutgers in 2013. Yeah, but they were a conference opponent. Exactly. So, um, no, look, this is a cool deal. And, again, the reason I I talk about the schedule, I want to, again, preface this, because the other thing college football fans like to do is only half listen to conversations. So they only listen to half statements, as Murph found out with Lane Kiffin, which that's what happened. They kind of make up their own narrative based on it, even if it's fiction. (laughs) To be fair, fair, Lane's not a fan. But, anyway, go ahead. Well, apparently he might be listening. Who knows? So Actually, I just he might want to make be. that clear. So I want to make that clear. I want to say when I say well, when I'm trashing the schedule, I'm not blaming UCF for it. There's going to be people who are like, well, there, Eric's Velo's blaming UCF. No, I'm not doing that at all. In fact, I thought UCF did a good job. If, if, if we were having this conversation five years ago, hey, they scheduled North Carolina and they scheduled Pitt, we would say, dang, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, Two ACC teams, murderers row. Look out. That's going to be a tough thing to do, you know? Two exactly. teams that were ACC title contenders. I mean, North yeah, Carolina yes. was playing for the ACC title a couple years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Pitt's got good tradition. Um, unfortunately, they've both fallen on tougher times um, and things like that. Again, that's why I hate the whole schedule argument because you, there's things you can't control uh, on both sides. You can't control certain who you play. You can't how they're doing. You can't control injuries. So that's why, again, these that's why college football is so stupid and they're run by stupid people and they have fans that are stupid because we make these stupid arguments that are absolutely idiotic. But nonetheless, well, the, only, um, yeah, but, well the, the conclusion of that is the only people who are not stupid in college football is us. So, I was, was going to say, and Chris Bowler, 
Can I just chime in and say I love the irony that Eric is saying he's trashing college football fans and how they don't listen to things on a podcast, on a college football podcast. Here we are. Yeah. I, love, I love it. I love it. And by the way, I will throw myself into that category. I'm, I've acted stupid as a college football guy myself. And then I look back at it and I'm saying, what the heck was I thinking? What am I doing? What did I say that for? Like, you know, wow, we're number one. Like, that's the dumbest argument. We're number one. Like, what, what is that? But nonetheless. I never again, say that. <laughs> no, you don't. That's on that. But, uh, okay, so, well, okay. Again, UCF, UCF, it's not UCF's fault that the schedule is how it's playing out how it is. And I don't think they should be punished necessarily for it. But the reality is the schedule is what it is, and it's not good. And I think you can't defend it. It's nothing you can do about it. You just have to dominate. To your point, Jeff, that's why people – it's no longer good enough to just win. You have to win impressively. Otherwise, P fans will criticize your team. It happens everywhere, by the way. This is not just UCF. In, in defense of UCF fans, this is not just a UCF thing. They do the same thing at Alabama. They do the same thing all over the country in college football. That's where we're at. It's not. It's like gymnastics. It's not good enough to just win. You've got to win with style so you can score points for polls. Well, interesting you mentioned that. Another flawless segue by you, Eric Lopez. So you're two for two on the evening. I wrote uh, I, earlier this week on uh, blackandgoldbanneret.com that actually UCF is well ahead of last year's pace in the rankings, in the AP and the college and, and the uh, coaches poll. Now I know that this doesn't matter because the CFP rankings come out on October the thirtieth. That's the first college football playoff committee rankings. But right now, after the FAU win, UCF jumped three spots in the AP poll to number thirteen, and four spots in the coaches poll to number fourteen. Now this past week was week four that UCF is ranked in those spots. We're heading into week five. UCF in 2017 did not get ranked in either poll until after week five. And at that point, they were ranked 25th in both polls. Now, it's entirely conceivable that UCF could be even reach, I think, as high as 10 or be even closer to that, depending upon which teams may lose directly ahead of them and if UCF is let's say in that 10 11 12 range at the start of week five where they were 25th last year now all of a sudden you have to look at this and this is what we've we argued about before Eric was that head start in the preseason rankings I think does matter because if there's a war of attrition ahead of UCF It's going to be, and UCF continues to play well through the month of October. At what point does the CFP committee say, guys, we we have to put them, we we have to put them near, at least near this point. We have to put them in the top six because they've done the job to this point. It, It would look silly if UCF was in the top 10 in the AP and the coaches and was ranked 14th in the CFP, no? Uh, depends. Not necessarily. I mean, I think they'll be, if you're asking me, I think they'll be ranked higher in the college football playoff poll compared to last year. Um, so do I think they'll be ranked maybe a couple spots higher, two, three? Could I, do I think they'll be in the top 10, for example, uh, come the final Saturday after championship Saturday? Yeah, I think they'll be inside the top 10. This is the thing. We've argued about this since last year. I don't understand why people are that 
fired up about, hey, we're number eight instead of number four. Like, if you're not in the top four, who cares if you're ranked five or 15? But uh, that's beyond my point. By the way, by the way, let's be fair and balanced. Coley Matrix, our buddy, may have Turner's back on us. UCF's currently ranked 20th in Coley Matrix. Our Whatever, I don't care about to- that. What are you talking about? That's where we won the national title, Jeffrey. Can I read you the rankings for Coley Matrix, by the way? Because yeah, I, I love this. Who's he got right? number one? Alabama. Okay. Bias. Stanford, number two. Woo! All right. Yeah, you like that? LSU, three. Georgia, four. This is my favorite. Duke, number five. Okay. Coach K, baby. Okay. Notre Dame, six. Penn State, seven. Oklahoma 8, Clemson 9, Kentucky 10. Kentucky 10. <laughs> this is a basketball clearly, clearly not a not a large enough sample size oh, at better. this point in the season. <laughs> no, no, it gets better. I love this. Syracuse, Jeffrey, your other alma mater. <laughs> 11, you know, Babers, baby. Take the, yep, Syracuse is undefeated, baby. Hey, take uh, a picture. Buffalo is 12th. Shout out, to, back, shout out to shout out to Tony back at more eligibility. Yeah, shout out to Tony Daniel and UCF marketing. <laughs> South Florida, fourteenth. We're not even the highest rated team in the conference. South Florida's ranked ahead of us. Wow. That big Illinois <laughs> has it over uh, there. North Texas, who we've now this is a this must be a historic record with repeated references towards North Texas. North Texas ranked fifteenth in Coley Matrix, baby, ahead of Ohio State, who's sixteen. West Virginia, 17. Cincinnati, 18. Who says the American ain't a power conference? We got three teams in the top 20. South Carolina's 19, UCF's 20. There's okay. your uh, top 20. I'm, in fact, it is my duty every week now, from here on out, while you guys focus on the college football playoff and that meaningless poll and the AP, I will be so, updating everybody on the weekly Coley Matrix poll as UCF's quest to repeat. Could be in Jeopardy, Jeffrey. Jeff, Jeff, we need to ask the fans to start creating drops for us for the segments that we're building on this. You show. know what? I'm going to put. What? Okay, if we've got if we got drops, if anyone wants to put a drop in there, you you got to holler at us at blackandgoldbanneret at gmail dot com. We need wow. We need something for Elo's Collie Matrix update, and we need something for Elo's rant about stupid college football fans. Yeah. Yeah, ELO versus the fans. These are weekly segments. So help me out here, both of you. Because we we all trashed the college football committee, right? They're biased. They have an agenda. um, Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Okay, okay. Let me me clarify something. I I concede that they're biased because they're humans. I also do think that they have an agenda. There's a difference between the two. So if UCF, where, where, uh, give me the number. If UCF is ranked, let's say, top six in the final poll of the college football playoff, are you going to feel better? Do you feel better? Do you feel justified? Do you feel good? Do you feel angry? I don't know. Help me out here because. Uh, where in the top six? Let's say they're number five. Um, you say, oh, great. No, I, I, no I'm not. If UCF is undefeated, okay. Who else is who else would be undefeated? Alabama. Okay. Clemson. Ohio State. Oklahoma. So you're saying those four teams would be undefeated ahead of UCF? Yeah. Or if you want, we'll play, we can play your game. We'll. I'll say this: the Big Ten champion is in with one loss, and then the other, yeah, and, then, so, and then, and then, yeah, we'll go with that. 
some of those teams could have one loss and still be ahead of UCF. Okay, so all right, oh, we'll play that game then. We'll play with that game, Murph. It's, re- say... oh, it's, re- it's relevant. It's relevant. No, okay, fair. Yeah, I'll say that Alabama. We'll say Alabama in. Let's say Alabama is in with a loss, which is you know always happens. Uh, the Big Ten champion, one loss, is in. Oklahoma's in, and Clemson. Okay, so now I'm going to get really annoying. Okay. Who are the losses to? Oh my God! Uh, I told, uh, I warned you. All right, let's say Ohio State uh, or whoever. Let's say the Big Ten champion loses on the road, whether it be Penn State at Michigan or Ohio in the, State in the regular in the regular season. Are any of those yeah. losses in the championship in the conference championships? Uh no. Okay. But if you want to play that game, we could play that game with Alabama and Georgia. If you want to play be, that game, I, I would be I would be ticked if I was a UCF fan and UCF was ranked fifth, and every team ahead of them or three teams ahead of them had one loss. And if one of those losses occurred during championship weekend, I would be that, real. I, I would I would be I, I would be taking to the streets. All right. Because, so let me play this. Uh, go go ahead. No, I was going to say go ahead. That's fine. Let me ask you this. So let's say they put UCF at number four. Mm-hmm. Let's say, is the system better now? Yeah. Why? Because at least you saying you're saying yes. Non-power five conference teams have yeah, a shot. Yeah, but doesn't that defeat? But then the whole this whole argument, the the whole year about this committee being biased and this and that's is is negligent. It's not. See, here's my point. No, it's I don't not. care if no, UCF no, 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 it's not. Because if UCF gets in, what they're finally saying is actually yes, they ha- they are saying that we that we're going to have a shot. Now, once you get into the playoff, whatever happens happens. Okay, of course. That's what UCF UCF is saying the same thing that every other athlete, individual athlete, is saying. Just give us a shot. If we lose, we lose. Give us a but see, shot. Yeah, but that's not just a UCF thing. Like, to me, just because you lose on a championship Saturday, if you feel you're one of the best teams in the country, you shouldn't be eliminated by that. See, my, I don't change my stance. I think the system's terrible regardless, whether you put UCF in, whether you put Boise in or not. That doesn't change my opinion. I think the system needs to expand. Do you would, uh, you wouldn't say that it's less bad than we thought. No, I think it's bad equal every year. I think the system's flawed every year. Here's the thing. Whether people liked it or not, they picked, they put Alabama in. I didn't have a problem with putting Alabama in because they proved they were the best team in the country. They won the, both playoff games. And just because you don't win your conference doesn't mean you're not the best team. We've seen that in the NFL constantly. Hell, your beloved New York Giants make, an, make, a his, make history off of that. They don't win yeah. divisions. They just win Super Bowls. Okay, true, so, but we but you can't make a, an NFL argument in a college football sure argument. Sure you can. No, sure you, you can't. Because can, the NFL is a better system. If you have if college football would adapt a similar system with the NFL, which is have, a, have criteria – we wouldn't be having this conversation. No matter what the committee does, no matter what what criteria you, you what things you put there, there's no criteria. You're always going to have arguments. You're always going to leave somebody out. And I don't think just because UCF's ranked fourth or fifth or sixth that, that makes the system better. I don't think all of a sudden we should say, "All right, guys, the system's fixed. We're good. Let's move forward." No, I think the system needs to be fixed regardless. Um, see, see, I think that I think that if UCF is is undefeated and you have like two or three one loss teams ahead of them. The committee, so, the so committee, which so is a group of humans, right? Yeah. They they know that they have a lot. They have a lot of pressure riding on this on that decision. Sure. If they were yeah. to snub UCF a second year in a row, they risk yeah. delegitimizing themselves 
in the eyes of the viewing public. Some people say there. Some people have already done that, though. That's the thing. Okay. No matter. But if what you they do, do it twice, in, but if you do it twice in a row, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So what? The, so is the moral of the story is if you go undefeated, it doesn't matter who you play. Is that the art? Is that how we get into the playoffs? Should should every team just play FCS teams? Try to be no, undefeated. I'm, no, that's that's irrelevant. What I'm saying is, if the competition ahead of you is not as good. All right, if they've lost one or even two games, that, and if you're UCF and you've that. won, tw- and you would have have won by that time, twenty five, twenty six games in a row, and you still get yeah. left out of the party, that's preposterous. See, that's ridiculous. But first of all, for, but see, like, there's and, the and, and, at, and at that point, UCF fans are justified in saying, "What can this team or any other any of the other sixty five group of five teams? What can any of them possibly do? We've done everything." We've been asked to do the last two years, yeah. and it doesn't yeah. matter. Correct, it and, doesn't. I and said that, that and that's a broken system. That's an illegitimate yes. system. Yes, it is. And I've said that for decades. Welcome to the party. This is nothing new. This has been going on for okay. decades. Okay, but what you're but what you're saying is, oh well, we know it's an illegitimate system, but it's the system. And I'm saying, yeah, yeah we know. All right, and huh? if yeah. it's illegitimate, then it needs to be changed. Yeah, and I think the electoral and I think the electoral college needs to be changed, but that hasn't been changed either. That's the system. That's what we have. I'm not surprised by this. This is nothing new. That's I don't like how people are shocked by that. They've come to this revelation all of a sudden. Twenty years ago, Tulane was undefeated, didn't sniff anything. Boise State's been undefeated. TCU's been undefeated. This has been going on for years and years and years, and this sport works at a very slow tempo. We just expanded to four. They used to do the stupid two teams. We've had chances where teams don't even play for head-to-head. We have you know, had stupid split titles. We're slowly moving. I Until you put criteria, here's the argument. Here's the thing. I don't believe just because you go undefeated, you should be in the, you're one of the best teams. I think you, the, the whole thing is who's the best teams? Are you undefeated? You have one loss. Who did you play? Who did you beat? I do think those things matter. Now, I agree with you. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. I think if UCF has won a lot of games and you believe they're one of the best teams in the country, they should be in. They should get the opportunity. It's funny, though, that we're using the win streak as a reason to get them in because weren't we upset about the fact that teams get the benefit of the doubt because of last year and their brand names, and now we're trying to use the win streak to our benefit, even though technically – Last year should not matter as far as getting into the playoff this year, right? That's the whole argument. It shouldn't matter, correct? I'm just saying that if you have that much of a head start and it's still and, and and you still get locked out of the party, that's that that is but, proof but, positive but you, that the system is is broken and it's illegitimate and it needs to be changed and, need, and change agree. needs to be forced. Agree. At that uh, well, point. well, I mean, the problem is the NCAA doesn't run the sport. That's where this problem. No, it's like boxing. You're, no, you're right, but the com, but the committee runs it, and if they want to, and they they run the risk of ruining the sport if they do that. I think because I think because I think, I think that it, a large I, number I, of fans would probably turn off those semifinal games because that's, that's not true though. See, that's wrong. See, that's an ina- that's inaccurate because their ratings actually went up last year, and they would argue to you that Alabama being in over UCF actually generates more interest. Than that. That's the interesting myth about this. I don't. People I don't know. Like the, I, I mean, that's yeah. that's a hard argument to make. But let's say, um, give, give me a team that might go undefeated and say the and say okay. the Big I'll Ten. Give you, no, no, no. 
because this has been the conversation that's been going on with the NCAA tournament in basketball. We all love Cinderella. We all love the George Masons and the VCUs to get to the Final Four, but yet the TV ratings have shown when VCU and George Mason are in the Final Four, the numbers go down the tubes, but when the big blue brands like Kentucky and Duke are in, the ratings go up. So we're our, us as fans are hypocritical. We want the underdog, but yet when the underdog makes the run, we don't watch. So we're just as to blame as much as anybody. Okay, we're so, just so, as much. so so then so then let's say let's say West Virginia goes undefeated and right. wins the Big Twelve. All right, yep. is are they a big enough brand where they where the it, it, let's say it's between UCF and say West Virginia for that fourth spot? You're saying that they would still pick West Virginia because they're the bigger brand. Yeah, because they would have beaten Oklahoma. They would have beaten, uh, won the Big Twelve title oh, in a bigger pro. Bro- I don't know, man. By the way, I'll give you, here. I'll give you an example because some people would argue in 2014 that Ohio State got picked over TCU because of the brand, because Ohio State was a bigger brand name than TCU. Some people thought TCU should have been in the playoff that year. So it's not just it's not just isolated to the group of the quote non-power five teams. Some would argue TCU fans are still pissed off that they got left out in 2014 and they felt they got shortchanged because Ohio State was the bigger brand name. And remember, Ohio State had just lost their starting quarterback for the year uh, a week earlier. I mean, imagine that. You put a team in the playoff with a backup quarterback. Now it worked. Ohio State won the national title, but just the premise of it was controversial. So this is this is nothing new to the sport. This is nothing new. I don't think UCF's going to get in regardless of what they do. I do think they'll be ranked higher. I don't think the system is, is still going to change, and I think until it changes with criterias, I don't think the UCFs and the Boise's will get in. But I do think there will be some pressure, and I think, I will say, I think UCF will be more in the conversation to some extent, but I think at the end of the day, you're not getting in over an SEC team. You're not getting in over a Big Ten champion. You're not getting in over a Big 12 champion. It's not going to happen. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll bring Murph back into the conversation to actually talk about Pitt. Um, Hi, I'm still here. (laughs) And we'll talk about TV, and we'll talk about the Olympic sports and some of the other things going on here uh, in a little bit. Stick around. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. He's a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam as your realtor, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WeSellOrlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. 
You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you here. UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret and Black and Gold SB Nation's home for UCF sports. Uh, let's get back to football now that we've beaten the CFP. Uh, horse to a bloody pulp here. And just um, for the record, I I would want oh UCF God. to be in. I again, I want UCF to be in. I'm just being realistic. I don't want people to be shocked when they don't get in. I try to tell people what's going to happen so they don't act shocked. That's so, all I'm saying. So about the Pittsburgh Panthers here, um, <laughs> they are they come in two and two. Um, ACC team, I get it. Uh, coming off a loss to North Carolina. This is a very run-heavy team. Murph, you've been around the team this week. Uh, you were at the press conferences. Um, what is it about this game that makes it feel like it's not a game against an ACC team? I don't. I don't get it. I. I. I it, there's. It feels like there should be more. More hype. More excitement about a, a golden opportunity against a against a, a fellow Power Six team. Than, than we're getting right now. Am I wrong in that in that assertion? The reason why this doesn't feel like you know it's us versus Goliath is because the Goliath, or the supposed Goliath in this picture, is UCF, and yep. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. is no better than the 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 other good teams in the A in the AC. Uh, Pittsburgh lost to North Carolina, whom we know has had a dreadful season prior to the hurricane. Uh, they they they're awful. So. The reason why this game doesn't feel as important as it would, say, five years ago is because UCF's the better team, uh, bar none. Um, as far as what the coaches are saying, yes, Pittsburgh is very run-heavy. This is uh, the biggest team in, in terms of bulk that they will see uh, on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Uh, Josh Heupel, I think, said yeah, kind of an interesting thing about how Pittsburgh brings on defense. Pittsburgh brings their safeties into the box to stop the run. And he basically said flat out, like, our receivers on the outside are going to have to win one-on-one matchups, which, again, this, this certainly these receivers can do. But I think that's something that <laughs> we're going to have to wa- we're going to have to watch. I mean, you know, if you're going to get McKenzie Milton and and then Gabe Davis or Trey Nixon or even Dredrick Snelson in the slot one-on-one, like, that's that could be some fun. So, oh, uh, you're you not know, kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah if, Pitt, if Pittsburgh's going to bring their safeties down, aren't they kind of playing into UCF's hands a little bit? I, I, uh, and, I can't even believe that that's being talked about if you're Pitt's defensive coordinator. Well, like, see, why in the but, world uh, would you do that? Heupel, Heupel uh, has said it this week, so uh, you know we'll see what we'll see what happens. And then defensively, yes, they're a running team. They basically run entirely through Kadriolison, who, although Pitt ranks, uh, I think, 101st in total offense, Olison uh, <laughs> ranks 31st in rushing offense by himself. He actually has, I believe, 14 more yards than Devin Singletary on 21 fewer carries, hmm. and he he is six foot two, 225. So, uh, by by comparison, uh, Singletary was about five nine, 200. 
Uh, Yusuf obviously had a really hard time, you know, wrangling him with one guy. And now here comes a six foot two, two twenty five bulldozer. Uh, they're going to really need to shore up again on the tackling front. So again, it, it, that sounds like something we've hit on every week, but it's going to also play a gigantic role in this game. Yeah, it, it's funny you you mentioned obviously the rushing, but this is a much different rushing attack, I think, than than what FAU is bringing to the table. This is a much more classic. I formation yes. power rushing team that 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 UCF is facing. Styles make fights, I get it, but um, it, it, this seems like we're looking at we might be looking at on offensively a big day for some of those guys on the outside, like you said. And this might be who knows. This might be Adrian Killens and Otis Anderson's coming out party this year because I think that those guys have not had to this point. They haven't had the breakout performances that we've been that we've that that we've been waiting for just yet. This might be the chance, no. Well, Hypo well, has said yeah. – oh, sorry. Uh, go ahead, Eric. No, no, you're right. I, I agree with that. I, I agree with Jeff on that, so I was just going to agree with him on that. But you go ahead, Murph. Well, Hypo has said, you know, that they're close to really, – they're really close to breaking big runs. They're really close to stealing off that second level and, and shooting those gaps because Adrian has not had one of those typical 50-yard bursts. I think mm-hmm. his, longest run this, his longest run this year is 24 yards. That was and, that touchdown against UConn, right? No, actually, all of his 20-yard runs came against South Carolina State. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, he, had, he had three 20-yard runs in that game. He hasn't had a run above 15 yards the, in the other two games. Uh, I, I did a thing on this a little bit in in uh, another newspaper, shall we say, a newspaper in Orlando. That's okay. You can, that, you can, you that, can admit that, uh, that you can read about it tomorrow, though. Yeah, Just saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's on dead trees. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> I, love, I love how Murph is going the old wrestling school. Won't mention the other other uh, competitors. Won't mention right. the yeah, other. I, I, he won't mention the other territory. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Orlando Sentinel. I've got. I got, I got no shout out. out. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to Matt Michelle, my boy over there. What's up, man? Name dropping. Name dropping. Shout out anyway. to Ileana for her for her for for being for doing the right thing and and bringing Brian on to do some work for the Sentinel. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> because because the way Pittsburgh plays. And because if they're going to bring their safeties down in the box, this is probably not going to be the coming out party for an Otis Anderson or Adrian's going to have a 150-yard game. I mean, if they're going to put, you know, eight, nine in the box, I think UCF's going to say, fine, uh, we'll take your one safety. We'll, we'll take your cover one defense with your corners on the outside and just sort of slant you to death and run some nine routes and then see if you can get with these guys one-on-one deep. Oh, uh, so I really do think this is going to be more of a passing game than anything else. Uh, concerns about the deep – well, we talk about, obviously, the rushing game, but you, you think that this is the opportunity that they that the defense finally has to to alleviate some of those concerns? Because, like I said, this is this is a pretty – I know you said FAU is a mostly one-dimensional team, but they don't line up like they are. Pitt is, Pitt is kind of a smash-mouth team, at least at this point. Right. And – you, you you know what's coming here, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it, Pitt, it concerns about that though. Pitt brings in a bunch of guys, a bunch of the like the old stereotypical like you know big corn fed Midwestern kids, you know who are now playing offensive line, who are just big dudes who want to push you out of the way and sort of grind you into the dirt, and they play a, a very like yeah, it's a very old school style of ball. So UCF is going to have to be physical at the point of the attack as I throw in a coach's cliche and 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 yeah to see them sort of uh you know no one no one they've been very clear that this is the most physically imposing matchup they've faced so far granted 
what they have faced so far isn't isn't wasn't not exactly imposing. But I think in any in any instance, Pitt is a very imposing team up front. Uh, that, that defensive line is going to have its work cut out for them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if again if their tackling improves, but also as the game goes along, it's a three thirty kick. The temperature is supposed to be ninety one at kick, but you know the heat index will be in the high nineties. In in Pitt this week, it was high seventies. Uh, Tyler Hudanik, who's left guard for UCF, grew up in Pennsylvania, grew about thirty minutes north of the of the Pitt Panther campus, and he basically admits, like, yeah, he's not even used to the heat. So <laughs> they're not they're not going to be used to the heat when they come down here. As the game goes along, how much of that? becomes a war of attrition for Pittsburgh with, with the heat beating down on them at 4.30, 5.30, while UCF's offense is running these two-minute drives. Uh, can their defense keep up in the third and fourth quarters? That's why I think this game kind of gets out of hand. I do think this will be a close game relatively through the first half, much like the FAU game, but I, I do think FSU, uh, FSU goodness gracious. <laughs> I, do think, I, do, I do think UCF pours it on uh, near the second half. Look at, look, just giving you some of the measurables on some of these pit guys. Um you know, in terms of the offensive line, you know, I'm looking up and down their roster. They got everybody's over six three, and everyone's over two ninety. And you got guys like, you know, Mike Herndon who's six four three ten. You got, um, uh, you got uh, you got Stefano Millen who's six five three hundred, six four three ten, six five three zero five, six three feet three fifteen, six five three twenty, six six three fifteen. There's some road graders on this, uh, on this. Uh, on this roster. And yeah. you know, by the way, we should know this because um uh former UCF coach is actually Pitt's tight end coach. Everybody remember Tim Salem? Yeah. Well, but yeah, I, can I he's the offensive coordinator. He's the offensive coordinator, I believe, George O'Leary threw under the bus at one point he about did. 10 years ago. He did. It threw him <laughs> under the bus, actually demoted him and and hired Charlie Taft to be the offensive coordinator after UCF's offense was considered to be almost non-existent uh, at one point. Um, Tim Salem is now the tight ends coach at, at Pitt. It's good to see Tim landing on his feet. I mean, I, I, I've met him a couple times. He's a nice guy. It's just, yeah. you know, he was, it was a bad situation at UCF, but, um, but again, three thirty kick on ESPNU. Um, yeah. I mean, the weather I think will be a factor if it's going to be well, hot. Well, Go ahead, yeah. Eric. Isn't this isn't this two parts here? I think we learn I think we learn a lot about the line of scrimmage from UCF, right? D line. We talked about how they struggled a bit against FAU. You got to believe yeah. that Pitt wants to shorten this game, run mm-hmm. the football, and eat the clock. Like have the football for at least mm-hmm. two thirds of the game to have any chance in this game. Um, and I think this is where the bender, no, you know, the, the don't break defense could come back to bite you if you give up eight nine minute drives and. All of a sudden, you're shorting the game. There's added pressure, and I think that's what Pitt's goal is going to be. They're going to try to be physical and try to, I think, put pressure on Milton. I think, I think Pitt knows they can't cover UCF, and I think when they when they say they're going to put extra guys in the box, it doesn't necessarily mean just to stop the run. It might just mean they want to put pressure on Mackenzie Milton too. I am. Uh, so, so it'll be interesting to see how the offensive line and defensive line hold up and against a Pitt team that's known for their physicality. That being said, I, I do agree with Murph. I just think that UCF. Uh, Pitt's not going to come from behind. I don't think Pitt's a, no. Pitt has to play from the lead, and I think if UCF jumps on them early, it's going to be a long day for uh, for Pittsburgh. And in fact, I'll give you a couple stats here of note. Go for it. UCF's thirteen and a half point favorite. Right. Pittsburgh yes. is two, three, and two against the spread in their last seven road games. 
UCF is four and one in their last five games against the spread in okay. comparison. So so don't be afraid by the spread number. And and I and I, here's another one. Ready for this? Six of the last eight UCF games have gone over the total, whereas six of the last seven pit road games have gone under. Pitt does not want to get into a shootout. That's right. what that tells you. If you're Pitt, you want this game to be probably in the 40s and the 50s combined, whereas UCF wants to be this in the 60s or 70s. Pitt probably has a max. I think Pitt knows that for them to pull the upset, they probably have to do a 30 to 24 type of game. If it gets into the thir- high 30s, 40s, that's all UCF, and I think yeah. that's going to be the issue for Pitt. You know, it's funny, as, as you mentioned, like, you know, Pitt would want to keep the ball for two-thirds of the game 40 minutes it's entirely conceivable that Pitt could have a 40 minute to 20 minute time of possession edge and get blown out right yes correct so because I, if they yeah. don't execute right i think an underrated stat third down uh conversion yep big we keep, get That'd off the big. field stay on the field i think that's a stat that kind of gets under people always focus on time of possession and things like that third down conversions is UCF's been very good on third downs, especially on offense. That's why they've been so good. They haven't had those too many three and outs. Yeah. And I think that's why it doesn't matter if they've only had the ball for 20 minutes. That only comes to play is if your offense has too many three and outs. By the way, not, not only is UCF good on third downs, they're the best in the country. Yep. They've converted 65.8% of their third down. That, that is incredible when you think about it, converting third downs, converting two-thirds of your third yeah. downs. It's really insane when you think about it for a second. Mm-hmm. Now we've got um, one thing I did want to touch upon, and Eric, you talked about this uh, on BlackAndGoldBanneret.com. Pretty good uh, TV numbers for UCF for a Friday night game, which a Friday night in television terms is the dead zone. Okay, nobody watches television on Friday night. That's why if you're trying to get rid of us of a bad sitcom, uh, you move <laughs> it. You move it to Friday night. That's that's like yeah. that's what TV executives do. All right. Well, wow. UCF played. Sitcoms still exist. <laughs> Believe it or not, yes, they've all been moved to Friday night. Um, the the um, EGIF. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the days of that are long gone. I know. Um, Although, hey, Murphy Brown's back though, so you know, we got yeah. that going. Yeah. Well, what's old is new again. That's how TV <laughs> yeah. works. Yeah. Also, they run out of. Why, why think of original ideas when we can just rehash the ideas we had thirty years ago? Let's you know, like, let's make money off of that. They came up with Magnum PI without Tom Selleck. Yeah, but which Tom is Selleck's not there. Like they're, they're coming, they're coming back with Roseanne without Roseanne. Well, it's the Carter family show. No, they're they're bring, yeah. well, they're bringing Roseanne back a second time without Roseanne. That's what's funny. <laughs> think about that for a second. Anyway, um, so UCF got really good numbers: one million viewers on ESPN on uh, ESPNU. Uh, for the FAU game, which I, which was is really impressive for a Friday night. To this week against Pitt, they are starting uh, on ESPNU at three thirty. Um, here's what they're going up against: Baylor at Oklahoma on ABC, Tennessee Whoa. at Georgia on CBS, Whoa. Michigan Northwestern on Fox. That's at four thirty, by the way. Uh, Which my predict by the way that'll be the highest rated game in that in that whole entire block you just mentioned will be that Michigan Michigan it's amazing the Big Ten Michigan has an enormous following it's incredible yeah. they, they, that game they get the, well Michigan. they get the big markets too because the Northeast Good point. yeah Good point. Um, ESPN two no game on ESPN until six uh, they have a game at noon and then a game at six. Um, Mississippi no, State, Florida. Yeah. yeah. Dan Mullen. But, no, but no game on the mothership in the 330 slot. 
um, which I find weird. Uh, ESPN. What are they carrying? <laughs> I, I don't know. They... I, I, golf, maybe. I don't know. Are they are they doing the Ryder? I don't know. Um, yes. So oh, ESPN two's got Florida State at Louisville, and Pitt at UCF is on ESPN U. Uh, what else do we have here? Oh, Texas at Kansas State on FS1. So my question to you is, uh, Eric Lopez, TV sage as you are, what are the what are the chances here? I mean, this is UCF against an ACC opponent, but it's on the U. It's across. It's in the prime time, not prime time, but it's a, but it's in the major time slot in the three thirty four o'clock area. What what are the chances here of a good number? I, I I don't know. I just think there's way too much across on across from them. Well, it's hard to. I mean, it's hard to to try to predict an ESPNU audience. First of all, it's not as not as many uh, audiences. Uh, TV cable systems, et cetera, have ESPNU. I will use my personal experience from last week as an example, just for full disclosure. I was at a hospital. Uh, my mom was in the hospital. Everything's okay right now. But Which I we're very happy Saturday. to report. Yes. You know, so I spent my Saturday at a hospital. So I was watching football. Well, guess what? I didn't have ESPNU. I had ESPN. I had ESPN2. I actually had ESPN Classic, which was weird. <laughs> but I didn't have ESP, you know. But I didn't have ESPNU, and I and I've been to hotels which has been similar, where you, some hotels don't carry ESPNU. So you're losing about ten to twenty million homes comparison from ESPN two, for example, to ESPNU. So that does make a difference for those that were wondering. From a, so from that standpoint, uh, you're not going to draw a huge number on ESPNU. Not to mention the games you mentioned. I mean, Michigan Northwestern. I think of that block. The highest-rated game of the week will be Penn State-Ohio State by far. But I think, obviously, Michigan-Northwestern will be big. Um, I think if you're UCF Pitt, I think the interesting dilemma. What was the FS1 game they're going up head-to-head against? Uh, It'll be Texas at Kansas State. I think that's a better, more realistic goal. Can they come close to that game? Because they beat the UCF-FAU game, beat Penn State-Illinois, which was on FS1 at the same time, about an hour difference. Uh, so usually ESPNU has a chance, usually is competitive with FS1, which, you know, you can make your own conclusions on that. Um, but by the way, ESPN goal line will be on ESPN during that time. That's yeah. why they're not carrying. Ah, okay. they're, they got, um, but yeah, obviously the networks will have the bigger numbers. I think, uh, if I had to bet, I would say that UCF pit, if you can get, if you can get about 200 to 300,000 viewers, yeah, I would consider that as, I think ESPN would be happy with that. Uh, with that slot on ESPNU, if they can get 200 to 300. I think South Carolina, when they played South Carolina there, in fact, you can check it out on Black and Gold and Red. I believe they had over 300,000 viewers. That was the previous highest-rated UCF game on ESPNU before the UConn game broke that, which had over 400,000. But remember, that was on a Thursday night, not as many games as there would be on a Saturday. So I would say if you can get 200 to 300, that's a huge success. Uh it, it, from that standpoint. Hmm. All right. So, again, 3.30. Uh, and who's the crew for that game again, Eric? Mike, Corey, and Rini Angolia. My good friend, Rini Angolia, of course, who uh, is a, obviously an ESPN analyst and is a, is a police officer here in Orla- in the central Florida area in Orlando. That's good. So, we got to have cool I mean, Rini's been uh, – he's he's done his share of UCF games quite a bit in the past, so it's good to yep. have him back. Home game. For, yeah, it's a home game. For yeah. He's not, he doesn't have to travel guy. far. So, um, all right, so we've got that ready to rock for you. Uh, let's take a look at some Olympic sports uh, coming up. Uh, by the, before we get to soccer and volleyball, I know Brian Murphy has just been itching all hour to get to this. 
fall ball starting up for UCF baseball, baby. You know, guys, I know MLB is winding down, but college baseball is just beginning. Let's go out. It's free admission for anybody who wants to come out and watch UCF on Sunday play Seminole State, (laughs) I believe it is. They're practicing tomorrow. I might go to practice tomorrow after I talk to Josh Heupel. Why not? It's baseball, so you know it's good. Baseball's back, baby. And softball's actually starting up also as well, aren't they? Yeah, next Friday, I think, actually, they have their first fall ball game. Uh, they're going to play up. They're playing mostly every Friday in October. Uh, the big one is October 19th, by the way. They're going to play Florida on October 19th. But, yeah, they Sydney ball, first game. Yeah. Be a week from this Friday, first we ball get ball our game. first look at uh, at uh, Coach also, Bear. Yeah, that's also free, to, like Murphy. So, yes, fall what ball they, for baseball. What do they really do in these fall ball games? Like, like to what extent are they actually competitive? No, I mean they play. I mean now there's a lot of things. I mean they change lineups up a little bit, and sometimes they'll play a ten inning game in softball. I can't speak for baseball. Um, Considering this year, Murph, correct me if I'm wrong, the UCF for the first time is actually playing other opponents. In the past, they would just do the black and gold series. But what's right. unique about this, Murph, right, is they're going to actually play other schools, small schools like junior colleges and, and all that, but uh, just like softball does. But that's what's fascinating is they're going to be playing a different opponent. I'm sure they'll have certain rules. They'll probably, you know, they're more flexible as far as letting players probably go come back in and out. Uh, they do it at least in softball because they want to give different looks to different people. Sometimes they'll play a 10-inning game so they can get as many looks. You're going to see a lot of pitchers. If I had to guess, Murph, would you agree? Like almost I would say you would see a lot of pitchers maybe throw a couple innings here and there just so yeah. everybody gets right? So, I mean, it's I the mean, same way softball. Yeah. This is this is basically like free, free exhibition. You want to get your guys out there and see what they look like against live competition. Uh, so, yeah, UCF is playing, I think, Seminole State. Yep. Uh, yeah, Seminole State on Sunday. And then next Sunday, they're playing the uh, Canadian National Junior, the Canadian Junior National Team, and yeah. then Saint, and then the always illustrious Saint Leo on the following Friday. So three, uh, three games against other competition. It's, it's just out there to see what you got. It's really sort of like, okay, let's see them in live action. Elo, we need Softball. to get your boy Jason Arnold out there to uh, get uh, to get East Florida up here to, for uh, for a little uh, fall ball action, huh? Oh, yeah, well, his softball program is going to be playing UCF on next Friday, so yeah. I can maybe uh, we could get the word out there. Put in a good word. My, my question, so my question, Murph, are you going to? I, I need you to ask, lovely. This is the most important question. Yes. What's his feelings on Undertaker Triple H wrestling one oh, last time? Oh God in heaven! I'm cutting this out. I will definitely ask. I will definitely ask, Jeffrey. You can't cut this out. Oh my you God! You talked for five. You talked for five minutes about other stupid stuff on this show. We can do two minutes on wrestling. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely will ask that. He, you know he wants to talk about it more than baseball in October. Let's go. I just want to know if he's offended by it. Like, I mean, it's very offensive that these two are going to do a house, basically a house show in Australia here. And, you know, it's just, I, right. I think we're all, I think, I think all, we all, what I mean by that is you, me, and Greg Lovelady, we're all there at the Undertaker's quote unquote retirement at WrestleMania yep. last year. That wasn't his retirement, still is not his retirement. He continues to wrestle and now yep. wrestle again. I think every match that he does sort of, makes us upset because we got robbed of what we thought was a special moment. So what you're saying is you guys all got worked. We're, we're marked, <laughs> Jeffrey. We are marked. You guys got marked and worked. 
Congratulations. Um, Good job. All right. uh, Let's talk uh, volleyball. They began their uh, conference slate uh, uh, last Friday at USF in Tampa and got a victory in five in a very hard-fought match uh, between UCF and uh, USF. You knew that was coming. Um, UCF wins in five, 15 to 10 in the fifth. Um, for UCF, the uh, key performers, McKenna Melville's just is just laying waste to everything in sight. 21 kills. Uh, even though she hit 175, she she uh, recorded 16 digs as well. 21 more digs for Jordan Pingle, 14 for Aaron Olsen to go with 27 assists, uh, and uh, 14 kills for Brianna Garcia, who just continues to chug along. Um, this is a big win for UCF because they were down uh, in this match 2-1, to one, fought back in the fourth to take it 25-23, and then one in the fifth, and you know, and and Todd talked about last week, um, after the tournament, after the Yale match, about how, you know, there are going to be those nights in conference where just nothing is going right. They withstood uh, uh, four double-digit kill performances by USF players, and still, um, and still got the job done. So, uh, congrats to UCF volleyball on getting started right now in the. Um, uh, I'm looking in the rankings here. They're they're not receiving any votes in the rankings, which is a bummer. The ABCA coaches poll uh, and the uh, RPI hasn't come out yet, so we're still just waiting on that. But that was a big win for that was a big one for them against USF to get to get started in the conference. They are at Tulane and Memphis this weekend, Friday, 1 p.m. at Tulane in New Orleans, followed by Sunday, 1 p.m. At Memphis, so that's a good. Uh, so that so those are again two more home ma- away matches coming up before they come back home Friday, October fifth. If, if they can get to three and zero, Jeffrey on the road, I mean they're it's winnables. I mean Tulane's probably would, would you say Tulane's the harder of the two road matches based on because I know they've had fits at Tulane. Tulane's been pretty good. Memphis has kind of been at the bottom. I know Memphis. Uh, it's always tough to win on the road, but if they can somehow get to three and zero on the road with the first three on the road, that is huge. From a lot of ramifications, from an NCAA tournament postseason, from a conference tournament championship uh, aspirations, uh, two and one would even be good. But if they can, some, I, I'm fascinated to see how they well, come out. Yeah, well, uh, well, this week. well, Tulane. Sorry, Eric. Uh, well, Tulane right now they they're off to a, a, an zero and two start in the conference, but yeah. they're twelve and five overall, and they're seven and zero at home. They lost those two matches on the road. Um, Memphis is seven and seven. Um, they also started 0 and 2 in the league, so they're kind of in a they're kind of in a rough spot right now. The class of the league right now looks to, it, it it's kind of all mixed up right now because Wichita State got off to a rough start in non conference play, but they won their first two matches in conference. They're seven and six. You have ten and four Tulsa, who's two and zero. You have five and seven SMU, who's two and zero in the league. And then you have uh, obviously ten and three UCF, ten and four Cincinnati at one and zero, and Cincinnati of course has Jordan Thompson back. Um, yep. And then you have three clubs that are winless in conference after the first weekend that all have at least eleven wins. USF is eleven and three, Houston's thirteen and four, Tulane's twelve and five. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna find out what the what the real so- who what the score is this weekend starting. I think. So three and zero would be amazed, tremendous. But I, if you can split, go two and one in your in conference, your first three on the road, I think you take that, right? 
I yeah, I'll take a well, I'll take a split on the road any day. I think if you can take if you can take splits on the road and you defend your home court, you're well yeah. on your way to that conference to to that regular season conference title, which is the whole kit and caboodle because there's no tournament. So, um, yeah, I mean if if you have Wichita State who goes twenty and zero again on the on you know in conference, I mean, congratulations. But um, I don't think that's going to happen again this year, no. and uh, no. and. The challenge is there. I think the window is open in volleyball. Um, so yeah, be aware for that. Uh, Friday and Sunday, UCF volleyball on the road. Men's soccer. We got to talk about men's soccer for a little bit here. They uh, got off to a rough start to their conference slate at Temple. They lost uh, one to nothing. They come back home Friday night against SMU, and that should be that'll be on UCF TV. Uh, and that's big for UCF uh, men's soccer because SMU is one of the favorites coming in. Uh, the Knights right now, even though they're five two and one, they're thirty six. The, the RPI is out for men's soccer. They're thirty six. Really? Yes. Um, wow. SMU right now is sixty second in the RPI, but they were one of the big teams coming in. All right, and they're the defending champions. They're the SMU beat UCF in overtime in the conference championship correct. game in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, now UCF great. is receiving votes in the uh, coaches poll. They received three votes still, even despite the five two and one start and the loss to Temple. Um, but you know, here again, you don't have anybody else in the American currently receiving any votes in the top twenty five. So. Um, this, you know, getting going against uh, against the, an SMU team would be uh, a big help for UCF coming in as if they can just get off that schneid in conference. You win that first conference match. I mean, I think that's going to be key. Well, especially against the defending champs. I mean, tiebreakers, yeah. I mean, swings. I mean, this is going to be a big match. They've had some memorable matches when these two have played. They've usually actually drawn... Uh, men's soccer, usually their bigger draws have been SMU. I mean, that's usually mm-hmm. SMU is a great program, so it'll be interesting to see how they come out. Yeah, overall, SMU comes in 4 3 and 1. Uh, UCF right now 5 2 and 1, like we mentioned, but um, but SMU is 1 0 in the league, so um, so so if they get the chance, you know, this is the uh, this is the perfect opportunity for UCF to take care of business at home. Uh, where the Knights are 2 1 and 1 this year, the only loss coming uh, in that opener against uh, California Davis, so. Um and, and hey, like we said, man. I mean, this is a tight, tight conference race. You know, you only have what one, two, three, four, five, seven conference matches. Um, yep. so <laughs> now is the time if you if you're gonna make it happen. Speaking of now is the time. Women's soccer right now they're three, three, and one. Uh, they uh have that extended week off since they last played obviously Sunday September 16th they start their conference slate Thursday September 27th at 3:30 in the afternoon at Temple they start their conference schedule with that Temple Yukon swing up north and I'm glad they're doing it now instead of like late in the season when the weather gets bad but um but they don't come back home until October Thursday October 4th against East Carolina uh Sunday at noon is when they're at Yukon, that's in stories, and of course at Temple three thirty Thursday. Um, I was taking a peek at the um, at the women's soccer RPI, Eric Lopez, which uh, also is out for the first time. The Knights right now eighty seventh. Yeah. So they got some yeah. work to do, don't they? 
Yeah, I mean, the George Mason loss, I know you guys talked about it. That was a perplexer, Jeffrey, after the Florida win. Yeah, that was a head-scratcher. Um, just inconsistent. And the thing that it's actually weird, Florida, because of their struggles, is not rated very high in the RPI. So that win, yeah. which normally was a top-5, top-10 RPI win, is not the case right now. I don't know what – got to be honest with you, Jeff. I don't know what to expect from this team. I still – I don't have a feel for this team, you know. You know, sometimes, I don't think you know, they have year, a feel for one another at yeah, this point right now. I think that's that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, so it, it, you're right, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they come out after the bye. I believe you can check this. The UConn match, I believe, is on a American Digital Network. Uh, UConn's been a very good program. They won the conference before a couple years back. UCF beat them last year. I don't see uh, that on American Digital Network right now, but it could. But that doesn't mean it won't be. Okay, because I thought I saw a release where they, that match was listed. Now, they may have not uh, mentioned that. I'm going to try and get that on the computer. But, look, i I, I got to be honest. I don't know how – I don't have a good feel for this team, Jeff. I don't. I just I, – you know, I really thought that Florida match with the whole debacle playing on Sunday and then Monday, I thought that was a turning point. I thought that was like, wow, this team is going to go on a run. And then they just lost to George Mason. Now, maybe the fact that two days playing with Florida, all the emotion clearly maybe played a role in that coming out flat. But I just don't know, Jeff. I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer for I, you. I just, I feel I'm like nervous. this team got snake bit. And I, 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 I think what happened was I, I would love to go into one of those universes where the Florida Gulf Coast game didn't get called off to start the year. Because that would have been, I'm looking at, let's see, where's FGCU right now? They're 47th in the RPI. They're actually undefeated right now. They're 8 0 2. Yeah. And you lose that match. All right. Well, and, and I'm not saying you, they, well, obviously they didn't lose the match, but they, they didn't play the match. And obviously, and I said at the time, like, that's going to hurt their RPI because um, you, you just, you, you don't get that match against the top 50 definitely a top 50 RPI team uh, in FGC or uh, yeah, in FGCU. Then compound that with Florida having a bad year, which you thought that you would, uh, everyone in the world thought that Florida would have been good. Um, and then some of these, like we said, kind of head scratcher loss. I mean, they, they, they lost the two games to open the season against Texas and North Carolina. If they had the game against Florida Gulf coast and won. I think that they probably, you know, who knows? They probably could have pulled off one of those games in Chapel Hill. And then they had the tie at Maryland, um, and then the loss to George Mason, like you said. And George Mason's actually off to a pretty good start. Um, even though they're 6-4, and four, they've uh, beaten some pretty solid teams. They've gotten themselves in the RPI top 50. Um, but it, ju- it just feels like this team has gotten snake bit, kind of like the way that the well, men's team got snake bit in the first part of last year, and well, now they kind of yes. have to scramble down the stretch. Well, and the other thing is we talked to Coach Sahedek. Uh, remember, they have a lot of new faces, and what did we yeah. talk about in the preseason, Jeff, with Coach Calabrese and why he wants soccer to be a two-semester sport? It's a sprint. Like, you got all these yeah. new faces – and you're trying to learn this team. Like the women's soccer team, they might not know each other and get that chemistry down until like it's too late in the season. That's the problem. Soccer is such a sprint, and you're playing two matches a week, and you're trying mm-hmm. to figure out who can do what. And before you know it, the season's done. By the way, I did confirm. Sunday's match against UConn is on the American Digital okay, Network. Good, good. Link, Lincoln Rose, Kit McConico, and Bill Spalding is on the call for that. By the way, UConn, you talk about UConn has gone out. They're 2-9. 
currently. They've lost their last four. So they're not what they were a couple years ago. So, But this is what makes me nervous, Jeff. Okay, UConn's a tricky place to play up there. You know, the grass's not all that great. If you don't get a win against UConn, that's going to kill your RPI. And that, you know, that's yeah. the tricky thing about these things. One of the things, by the way, and I want to get Murph in, you know, with men's basketball just around the corner. Men's basketball got rid of the RPI. And I do wonder at some point down the road if the other sports should follow suit and get rid of the RPI. Because if men's basketball doesn't believe the RPI is is a worthy thing to use to put teams into the field, why are the other sports using but, it? But they just replaced it with another formula. That's the thing. I mean, it's ba- well, that's what I'm basically you, right, you, right. they just replaced it with another formula that's not called the RPI. That right. effectively does the same thing that it is. It takes more things into account than the RPI, which – which was at this time, well, we know so much more now in this age where there's a bunch of numbers, a bunch of information available to us. The RPI did not take it, did not take all of that into account. And so the new system does. Uh, it's a better system. I think the RPI, RPI was obviously flawed. It, it had lived past its meaning, its, 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 its meaningfulness. So, yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, we should ask about that? Todd Dagenet, because he talks all the time about how the RPI right. basically governs volleyball. And uh, mm-hmm. and boy, I'd love to get his thoughts on that. If he was coming well, up with I, a I, formula, I, how I he would do it. And I want to get Coach Abe's thoughts about So we went through this last year. UCF women's basketball finished third in the American Conference. They were clearly the third best team, but their RPI wasn't quote-unquote good enough uh, because the conference was down of things that UCF couldn't control. And so I, I just wonder if, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, I, I just, it's a fascinating t- topic that I think for all sports has to address. The fact that men's basketball is addressing it. I'm curious if other sports addresses it because um, 87 is a hard RPI. Now, granted, it's early in the year, but my concern, Jeff, with women's soccer is who are the, where are the matches in the league where they can improve that RPI? That's yeah. going to be interesting. I mean, you have the RPI in front of you, so you can tell me who's uh, who's got a good RPIs in the league. I'm guessing South Florida probably. Well, uh, possibly. I mean, who who we got so far? Well, I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, your top RPI in the AAC is Memphis right now at ten and one. They're thirteenth. USF is twenty sixth. They are five and one. Cincinnati's thirty fifth at six four and one. SMU is seventy first at seven two and one and then you have UCF at eighty seven. So you have you have a few chances here. Well but here's what worries me. The two teams you didn't mention there at all, Temple and Yukon. And you gotta go on the road there to start conference. Now I agree with you. The the advantage is you're playing that you're getting those two games out of the way early in good weather. The concern is your opening conference play with them, which anything can happen when you open conference play. I just hope I just hope we don't have a conversation, Jeff, a month from now, two months from now, as we're getting closer, and you're like, man, if only they would have shown, you know, had a better result against Temple or UConn, or man, if this team was playing Temple or UConn now instead of back then, they would have crushed them. That's what I'm, I'm concerned about. Well, it's funny you mentioned the fact that, you know, one month from now, right? Because we're recording this on Wednesday, September 26th. Exactly one month from now, you talked about soccer being a sprint exactly Mm -hmm. one month from now friday october 26th is the women's soccer regular season finale against usf in tampa so that tells you how much how much time that they have to really kind of regroup they're going to play the entire conference schedule in one month i mean that's That's insane to me it is that is not a lot of wiggle room and when you're you know and i realize it's the same same for everybody else but Man, the more I see this, 
the more the coaches, especially Coach Calabrese on the men's side, he's right. They got to they got to fix the schedule because this is. I terrible. just think it's a it's a huge advantage if you have an experienced veteran team. Um, like I think you know, like, but if you have a lot of new faces, like Sahadeg has this year compared to last year, where she had a veteran team. I do think that's a that's tough. It's tough for a team if you got a lot of new faces. It's probably the same going on at Florida. In fairness, they've got a lot of new faces there too. I just, it's kind of wild. It's wild to me, but you know, it is what it is. So you got to play it. I mean, it's nothing new. It's not like this is just happening. So they got to show up on the road, Jeff. They have to win. I think these two matches to get off to a good start and hopefully put that George Mason behind them. Yeah, they gotta they gotta rattle through these matches real quick. Matches as real quick. So all right. Let's uh, put a wrap up on this thing as we uh, finish up here I on the like black. I feel, like we, I feel like we've ripped every system and every sport tonight. It's I know great. we just they should just they should just let us think about how we want to fix it. We'll just tear everything down and, <laughs> and and fix everything. All right, um, as we finish up, Murph, what you got on tap this week? Uh, let's see. I'm going to a football game on Saturday. You guys might know about that. Uh, no so I'll be yeah. How about that? Uh, so I will, uh, I will uh, be doing my usual post game quote, uh, uh, transcription, trying to tell you guys what, uh, come the on, say it, say it what it is, say what it is. Come on. It's potent quotables Thank you. guys. It's potent quotables. Cause I watch a lot of jeopardy. So and it's the, pla- it's the place it. where coaches go to get, to care, to get, mo- uh, material bo- bulletin board material folks. Yes. That's Brian Murphy's the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I will I will put out whatever the opposing coach, you know, whatever SMU's coach needs, whatever Sonny Dykes needs will be in this column uh that he can put on his bulletin board for next week. But uh We're gonna no, add so this to be... Sonny Dykes' Twitter account and tell him, Hey, f- feel free to misquote Brian all you want from here. So anyway, <laughs> I would do that. I, I I do believe I'm gonna head head out to baseball on Sunday, which is right uh, at one o'clock which is right at one o'clock. Uh, which is right at right at the hour of NFL kickoff, so I'll sort of be juggling my other life of fantasy football and my UCF fandom at the same time. And then, so I can, there's back- so I can still ask you. I can still ask you my ten fantasy questions on Sunday morning. Then you can absolutely ask me. In fact, oh. anybody else want? If anybody else wants to ask me, you can just ask me at spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter because that's all <laughs> I do Sunday morning. Can I uh, just send you it. my team and just and you just tell me if it sucks? I love to I love to do it, Jeffrey. Okay. I rip it apart. I've been doing fantasy. I've been doing fantasy since I was in high school. It's still it's still uh it's still a love. And then Tuesday, uh, right after UCF available, UCF media availability on Tuesday, we have basketball media day, men's and women's basketball media day. Women women go first, then the men after that. So I'll be out there doing that. As well. Wait a minute, wait a minute, media day. Yes, I mean, practice. First practice, you mean? Well, it's first practice. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But we get, yeah, you scared we get me there. You scared me. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I don't want to scare. You. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, no, we did. We did. It's first practice. Now, technically, it's not the first practice for the men. The first practice for the men is actually this Saturday. But for good reason, they're not going to have the media talk to them on that day because they're doing something else just down the road. <laughs> Uh, so, so, but it'll be Tuesday. Will be the first contact that the the media, at you know, in general, will get to see UCF basketball and and then talk to men's and women's coaches and players and whatever first, else. First contact, like they're coming off of a flying saucer or something. That's right. Um, I miss. You know what I miss? I miss Midnight Madness. Oh, I do oh, too. Yeah. You know, I, I really miss Midnight Madness. Well, one time we did it when we. Um, it was 03, I think. It was 03 or 04. 
but we did it when we were um, when we were students, and we actually covered the we actually covered the games live. There was an, there were two inter squad games, and it was a blast. It was a real blast, um, man. I, I, and I know they don't do it traditionally like they do, like they used to do it because they changed the sort of the timing and all that, but. I just mm-hmm. miss that tradition. That's one thing I wish they would bring back, Midnight Madness. That well, used to be fun. One of my coolest UCF memories was back in the old arena, which is just the venue now, but when they used to play basketball in there and they had Midnight Madness, I, I, I watched them for so long. When, when I, it must have been like 04, 05 before I started with the UCF uh, Central Florida Future. I was just watching them that, through that entire practice, and I was literally the last person in that arena watching them practice so they just said come on down to the floor and we'll like we'll just shake your hand and thanks for staying you know two hours to watch this like i was the only one left it was really cool it was really neat yeah that was cool that, i mean i wish i i man i wish they would bring that back anyway um uh eric <laughs> what what do you have coming up well let's first talk about what i already have uh you mentioned i have the article ucf fau million over a million viewers on the uh so i broke down in fact it was the third most highest rated uh, cable program that night right. for the demographics of people age 18 to 49, which is a very desirable That's the key demo. Yep. So that was very significant. So I break that down in the article. Plus, I also wrote Trey Nixon made a, had a radio interview uh, with Mark, uh, the Mark Moses show. My good friend Mark Moses, who uh, hosts a radio show up in Vieira up there. And, of course, that's where Trey Nixon played high school football. So it was kind of cool. And, you know, one of the things I've liked, guys, from what UCF's done recently is they've made players accessible for radio interviews and things like that. And that was a very good interview with Trey Nixon. And so you could listen to that. I put a link up to that story. And, of course, after a week off due to attending some family things, Elo Lines, back. I break break down the game that everybody's really going to look at. Old Dominion, East Carolina. <laughs> that's all, that's all of a sudden got a ton of storyline around it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that ain't, that ain't kidding. Plus, my the NFL game of the week involving UCF players, Texans and the Colts, big AFC South. Jordan Aikens with the Texans, and then a guy who's quietly having a Pro Bowl year. Former UCF safety Clayton Gathers of the Colts. Clayton Gathers yep. has really gotten better. I mean, in, yes. in his NFL, yes. he's really worked hard at getting better, and it's good to see him having such success with uh, with Indianapolis. Yep. We got a lot of stuff on the site going on right now. Uh, yep. Chris Carter has his full breakdown of the uh, UCF FAU game that you definitely want to check out. Uh, obviously, you got, uh, Elo, we mentioned uh, the two things that you have up there right now. Um, I have a piece up there about, yes, in fact, UCF really did draw 44,257 fans <laughs> All right. to the well, FAU game. What, 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 who's questioning that? A number of USF fans on Twitter basically said that this was <laughs> fake news, that the stadium was empty. And one of them, interestingly enough, was uh, uh, Matt Baker of the uh, of the Tampa Bay Times who posted a photo of, of, of a relative – at the time, relatively empty Spectrum Stadium at 6.55 p.m. Uh, as people were filtering in, late arriving crowd, because remember, it was a Friday night. Everyone was getting in from rush hour. And he tweeted out this photo and saying, some seats still available six minutes before kickoff of what might be the funnest game in the state this year. And he never once corrected the record on this. Wow. Um, and Lane Kiffin didn't correct Murphy. I mean, why? Nobody corrects it's, anybody. It's, uh, right, but it's not Lane Kiffin's job to correct Lane Kiffin's record. It is Matt Baker's job to correct Matt Baker's record. And 
Um, and it was a it was a packed house. And let's give credit where credit's due. The students showed up in force. Murph, you were there. I have a breakdown of this. I just don't understand, man. Tribalism is a hell of a drug. That's one of the things that I said what? in the column. Um, that USF fans are like, you guys didn't have any fans in that game. Like one guy was actually trying to argue with me on Twitter saying like, you know, are you serious? We can watch the game on TV. There's no one at the game. I'm like, what are you watching? You're not watching the game on TV if you think no one's at the game. There's a full house. Right, if they watched the opening kick, right? I mean, maybe it wasn't looking I, on. I don't. I didn't. You know, opening kick. I don't I recall that. Just now, don't get it. Uh, well, I, I, look, I'll def- I, I understand. I defend. I, I understand where South Florida fans are coming from. When you when you tell them about fans, what they when they think of fans, they're thinking about fans that look like empty seats, like seats. They don't look <laughs> at a human beings. They look at oh, there's twenty thousand empty seats. That's a big crowd. You know, that's yeah. a big crowd for them. So well, that's we, why they, they looked at them. They were they, they're not used to having human beings being sitting down in seats. That's probably why they were right. confused. We've got a we've got a new <laughs> we've got a new feature that's that we're also debuting um, this week. Um, uh, Jeremy Brenner is uh, is uh, bringing about what we call the roundtable, where uh, a few of us uh, on the Black and Gold Bannerette staff are going to answer basically five key questions uh, in the week, and we're bringing that out midweek, so we're going to have that uh, up there up, up here for you as well uh, in uh, by tomorrow. And then also, don't forget... Um, Luke Harris's excellent column on fans' reaction to FAU, and also um, Derek Warden's outstanding photo gallery from the FAU game, which was just remarkable. Over a hundred photos. Like Some a of them are of, just. There's evidence right there that there were a lot. I know, of man. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, if you get the chance, photos, to... photoshopped fans. They yeah, weren't exactly. there. Photo. They, yeah, they're gonna tell them they were. It was the photos were doctored, or they were from another game, or. Hashtag the, fake news. From the failing black and gold bannerette. Failing black and gold them. bannerette. It's, it's, you're fake news. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff for you to check out this week. There's going to be a lot more stuff for you to check out in the coming weekend ahead, including our uh, live game thread uh, as well. Uh, Follow us all on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret collectively. Follow Eric at Erica Lopez Elo. Follow Brian at Spokes underscore Murphy. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash black and gold banner and of course black and gold banner at dot com fellas thanks so much enjoy the week and I'll see you boys uh, well see you some point during the week (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll all run into each other (laughs) I only get to hear your disembodied voice Jeffrey disembodied Gosh. And we'll, uh, which seems like a good point, which seems like a good spot to wrap it up. Uh, for Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Don't forget our live game third for UCF versus Pitt uh, starting an hour before kickoff. We'll see you then. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.